me back to that McDonald's, took me to my stash spot, 560 State Street, catch me in the kitchen like a Simmons whipping pastry, cruising down A Street, off white Lexus, driving so slow, but BK is from Texas, me and my bed bed stop, home of that boy Biggie, now I live on Billboard, and I brought my boys with me, they hold up in top top, still sipping my top, sitting courtside, hits and nets, give me high five, I be spiked out, I can triple reprobate, tell by my attitude, that I'm most definitely Oh! Yes, yes, yes! That boy good! How y'all doing out there, man? Yo, yo, yo! It's the Great Debate Show. Jarvis Jeffries, Terrence Smith, Newton. We better than ever, baby. And, um, of course, you hear this music that you hear for a reason, of course. New York City. Empire State of Mind. New York City. Man, it's 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 uh, the big the big apple. Aaron Rodgers, he took a bite out of that, and now here we here we are. He's a New York Jet, and you know, like it, they're really starting to seem Hollywood. You know, even though they're they're, they're on the East Coast. Uh, I say all of that to say this: Dalvin Cook. That's our breaking news to start the show. Dalvin Cook is now a New York Jet, and. Um, yeah, uh, this is it here. This is it. So we're about to discuss what the New York Jets uh, are going to really be. And I got a few things that I want to say about Aaron Rodgers that I didn't get to say last week in the episode. Guys, how y'all feeling, man? Hey, I feel great. Uh, I think I'm the only one here with a with a team that's, that's the, uh, undefeated in the preseason for the last 24 games. So, uh, you know, I don't think any of you guys can top that, man, no matter what you say. <laughs> Whoop-de-doo. That is correct, though. <laughs> I got candles over here. I got great. Y'all going to ride Aaron Rodgers for being great in the regular season, but then you going to come and tell me about winning 24 straight preseason games. Oh, yeah. It's literally yeah. We got confetti. We got purple and black confetti coming down. Right. Uh, got Aerosmith blasting through the, through the radio. We are the champions. My friends, <laughs> it's good times. You know, you know, really though, the great, the great thing about that, and you know, on a little more serious note, is this: for some of those guys, that might be the only NFL game they ever play, right? And so, at least they get that experience, uh, if they, especially if they won the game. Obviously, um, you know, to say, "Hey, I played in the NFL, and I, you know, we won the game." Yeah, man. Hey, you have to make the best of your uh, opportunities, and. For some reason, man, when when guys put those uh, purple and black jerseys on, they make the best of them year in and year out for the past what? I mean, there's only there's there's there used to be four games. There's only three now, so that's about what four or five years. I, I'm not the best counter in the world. Yeah, More than four or five it, years, at least four or five, six seasons, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like, man, hey, kudos to those guys. And kudos to Harbaugh and the coaching staff for getting those guys ready uh, 24 straight times. Yeah. Like I said, it's impressive. The thing about it is, you you compete against guys on the other side, just like you, who are who is just getting that one opportunity, and uh, some of these guys will never play football again in their lives, and are going out and you know, and, and literally leaving it all on the field. You know, to us, it's just second, third, fourth stringers that we we won't even see on the game or and on TV. Um, but to them, it's everything, and you know, it's everything against everything, and and, for, and one way or another, uh, the guys in purple always come out. And that, that's a that's a tribute to those guys first and foremost. Yeah. Uh, and a tribute to the coaching staff for sure. No doubt. 
And so shout out to the Baltimore Ravens. They are now, they've won 24 straight preseason games. And thank you, Terrence, for letting us know that. Uh, Absolutely. Now, now, shifting back to where we were with the AFC East. That's what we want to get on today. And one reason for that is because, well, we just said it. Dalvin Cook is a New York Jet. Now, it shouldn't be, I'm sure it's not a surprise to most of you. But I'm still a little surprised because... I didn't know what the holdup was. I don't. I didn't know why he was taking so long. I thought maybe it was a team that was trying to work something out, uh, salary cap wise, to where they could squeeze him in on the roster. So I'm thinking it's going to be maybe this wild card team if it's not the Dolphins uh, that we didn't know about that was going to get cooked. But it, it still is the Jets, a team that he was saying that he could possibly sign with. But remember, he went to New York. And he left New York without a contract. Mm-hmm. So I didn't know what was going to happen, but he has signed with the um, New York Jets. It's a one-year deal for about $8.6 million, uh, I believe. That's correct. And um, here we are. Now, I'm going to ask you guys, since since Cook is – oh, and Ezekiel Elliott, since we're on the AFC East, Ezekiel Elliott also, that's not breaking news to anybody, but he's a New England Patriot. It took a very long time before uh, a team signed him, and I'm sure this is the last team that he wanted to sign with, but he had no other options. Uh, I think that the Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots, it seems as if they waited all the way up until Dalvin Cook uh, told them that he was going to sign with the Jets before they officially signed the Patriots, and he hasn't officially signed, but they say Ezekiel Elliott is about to sign with the Patriots, and it all happened the same day. That means the Patriots were still, I guess, holding on. You know, they had some hope still for Cook, and now that hope is gone because he's a Jet. So Cook with the Jets, Ezekiel Elliott with the Patriots, we're starting with the AFC East. The New York Jets, guys, we'll start with Nick. Um, are the New York Jets really a Super Bowl team now? Super Bowl contender with this right here being added. Like, was he really the cherry on top of the cake, Dalvin Cook, to the Jets? I mean, if you want to call him the cherry on top of the cake, sure. But the cake was definitely already there. I think they were already a legit contender um, just on the fact that they signed Aaron Rodgers. I mean, you know, they had, you know, they got the defense returning being a year older. Uh, you know, got a, young, a lot of young guys on that side of the ball, most notably Sauce Gardner. Um, he's got a year of experience under his belt now. Uh, you know, you got uh, well, the guy who would have been the Offensive Rookie of the Year in Brees Hall coming back. And then you got the guy who won Offensive Rookie of the Year in Gary Wilson. Aaron Rodgers, of course, brought Randall Cobb and Alan Lazard um, over from Green Bay. I believe there's another receiver that the Jets have, still also have, that's uh, pretty good. And uh, so then, then you had Dalvin Cook into the backfield as well, while Brees Hall is, you know, still kind of coming back from injury. I think, yeah, he's absolutely the cherry on top, but the, the cake was already there. They were already a contender. Okay. Terrence? Um, yeah, I mean, they have to be. It's that simple. They have to be. They have loaded this team up. They've given Aaron Rodgers essentially everything he's asked for. Uh, the defense, in my opinion, was already pretty doggone good. Uh, they have retooled the offense completely and he's got two stud running backs to turn around and, and hand the ball off to um it's, it's essentially you know and, and this is way with a lot of teams which could make for a very good nfl season barring any injuries uh but it's, it's for the jets is to me i think it's aaron Rodgers or bust hmm okay well so they have to be right. you, have, you have to put them in that contention now mm-hmm. all right well for me 
I, I again, I can't help but say what I've been saying all along. It's the New York Jets, a team that hasn't been in the postseason um, in about 11, 12 years. And, um, yeah, 12 years. And so, man, like, the expectations, I understand how high they've become because they've gotten Aaron Rodgers, a four-time MVP. They've added Dalvin Cook. He brought a lot of toys with him as, like, Randall Cobb. Uh, they added McCole Hartman. And you still got Garrett Wilson and company. So, yeah. I mean, Brees Hall's still there. So, yes, I get it, but it's the Jets. So, in my mind, I'm still saying it's not Super Bowl or bust. I understand what you guys are saying, what everybody is saying. Hey, look, they traded for Aaron Rodgers. So, what? The Jets got Brett Favre, too, a long time ago. How did that work out? Now, I know we can say Aaron Rodgers is better than Brett Favre was at that stage of his career. Really? Do we really know that? Because Brett Favre, he was... He was average with the Jets, but he went to Minnesota and straight, you know what he did to the to the Packers. He couldn't wait to do it. He couldn't wait to get there to do it. Aaron Rodgers is better than Brett Favre, period, at basically any stage of their career. So, I don't even, huh? Well, I'm not saying that one is better than the other. I'm saying that he went to the Jets and, like, it wasn't all that. Now, I understand the expectations weren't that big either. The Jets, they didn't have a – the roster wasn't as loaded as it is now, I wouldn't say. The defense wasn't this good. But, man, like, I'm just saying that it's the Jets. I think Jet fans will be okay with them making the playoffs. I think they'll be okay with them if they exited, if they made an exit in the divisional round or AFC championship loss. I think they, I think they will accept that. I don't think it's Super Bowl or bust for them because, again, it's the Jets. It's been 12 years since they've even been in the postseason. So, again, I understand why we're saying this, but it's like Aaron Rodgers. Yes, he's with the Jets, but this is still Aaron Rodgers, a quarterback that he didn't even get to the postseason with. He didn't even get to the postseason last year. All they had to do was beat Detroit at home in Lambeau. And it didn't happen. So, I have to still say that. I already explained to you. He didn't want to win that game. He was tired of playing for Green Bay. You may he be, didn't want to win. It. You may be right. You may be right. As, I, as a matter of fact, while you're talking about Aaron Rodgers, I think we discussed it's time for you to express your apologies to Aaron Rodgers because what he did is the reason why the Jets were able to sign Dalvin Cook today. I didn't say I was apologizing, but I did say I had to say. <laughs> I, did, I did say I, tried, I, had, I tried to slide that in. Right, I know. I caught it, but I, I did say I had something to say. And this is what I wanted to say about Aaron Rodgers. I just wanted to make my point that Aaron Rodgers, as good as people think he still is, I didn't see that. And it could have been because he didn't want to play in Green Bay, but anybody better. I used to see Aaron make people better. 2016 was not a very good year for Green Bay, but I remember him somehow making a run, and they got into the postseason. And even when it didn't look like they were going to get there and they made it all the way to Atlanta in the NFC championship. That was the bad man. I remember who can make everybody look better when the team isn't that good. And that's the Aaron Rodgers I was used to seeing. Now, of course, that was 2016. This this was 2022. We're talking about. I don't know. We're about to find out if he's still the bad man that we once that I once thought he was. And that you all think that he still is. But my my here here's what I gotta say about Aaron Rodgers. I didn't get to say last week how impressed I was when he when he took the pay cut. It it turned out to be like 30 million plus that the Jets were able to save in salary cap space. And that 
is is exactly how they were able to sign a Dalvin Cook. Shout out to Aaron Rodgers for that. It makes me want to root for him. I really didn't give a rat's ass what the Jets did this year, and I was kind of getting sick of all of the hype. And that's just because, in my mind, I'm like, do you really think he's going to beat Patrick Mahomes? Do you really think he's going to beat Joe Burrow? Do you really think he's going to beat Josh Allen? Hell, if Tua stays healthy all year, he ain't beating Tua. And so I, I don't know about all that. I do. I do. Before this Dalvin Cook signing, this is what I was saying and thinking to myself. And again, though, but him making that that cut, it tells me everything that you were saying, Nick. Hey, he did want to be in Green Bay, and we see that now. He was just like, screw y'all. I ain't taking a penny less. Give me my chips and my dip because you all could be doing better. Now, I disagree with some of Aaron Rodgers' reasons for wanting to leave Green Bay, but again, it's it's over with now. He's 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 gone. He's in New York. He was he he did what he needed to do, and now they've got two good running backs in the backfield. And Cook will be there until Hall is ready to return. He can. They don't have to rush him back now. So this is very dangerous. I'm not gonna lie, y'all know I love me some Dalvin Cook. So this is very dangerous. And I just want to say, Aaron Rodgers, my bad. You, you hey, I appreciate you doing that. And I'm not. You're not on my bad side as much anymore. You know. Uh, I now. I, I I hope that when things go bad, you're still as happy as you are. You're still having the best time of your life, living your best life, like you've been saying. I hope you continue to be very, very. Um. You know. What what's the word? Because he's 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 usually anti. Now he seems to be really social with his teammates. He's kicking it with everybody, not just the receivers. Every position. He's trying to build a connection, a chemistry with all of these guys. This doesn't sound like the Aaron Rodgers I knew in Green Bay. So if this is really him, man, kudos. I wish the best for you. But let's see if that stays the same if they get to a a two and four start, a, a two and three start, or something like. That. But this is in the AFC, and it's a lot of competition out there. I mean, like. They're not the only line in the jungle. Well, there's only one line, and we know who that is. It's, it's a dude that wears number one, number 15 uh, in Kansas City. So, I mean, like, this is a big jungle. Who wins the AFC East? Where y'all have the jet set since you say that this is it? They have to do it. Well, are they going to win the division? Uh, I'm going to say no. Uh, I'm still going to roll with Buffalo. Um but I don't think they're going to win it by more than a game, or they might win it by percentage points or something. Like I do now, I really do believe the Jets are going to be that good to where at the division it's probably going to have two, twelve, thirteen win teams. Uh, and it's a shame they both can't win the division, but I just I think it might come to that. But I will say also the Jets' schedule, uh, like you said, is so tough starting out, and that might end up being the actual difference in the division. Uh, they might just be playing catch up the whole time, and uh, the only thing that bothers me about Buffalo is that they seem to have letdowns, and, and they don't really. In the past, they have not had that ability to just say, "Hey, all right, we're better than you. We're going to beat you down. We're going to beat everybody down because we're better than everybody." Uh, they seem to sometimes. I always call it getting cute. They get cute, and then they lose a the game they shouldn't lose. Uh, so, but I but I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt for them holding the division down, having Josh Allen, um, and the Jets having a tough schedule starting out. And when I say tough, I mean uh, they had to start it out uh, against Buffalo, against Dallas, New England. 
watch what should be an easy game, uh, but it is a division game, so you can't count that out. Against Kansas City, I think Denver is going to be actually pretty good. Uh, and against Philly, all before they have their bye week. Now, they get a little bit of a break coming out of the bye week with the Giants, but then they go straight to the Chargers. So, there's not a lot of break in there. Um, and I just think that that might be, that might play into Buffalo's hands and, and, and the Jets might might lose the division by a game or so. Mm. I'm going to break some news here. Not only, I, I'm not going to say that I'm sure that the Jets will win the division. I will say that they won't come below second. Um, and the team that I will be more concerned about would actually be Miami. Um, I think, provided that two is able to stay healthy, Miami's got a lot of talent and a lot of speed down there. With, yes. um, I, I could see them winning the division. I am also buying buying the dip on Josh Allen. Um, I don't know, man. It's just some some feels off. I feel like he may, maybe the Madden curse is going to come back or something. But I feel like Josh Allen is just is not going to be the guy that everybody thinks he is this year. So with that being the case, Bills fall the third. Uh, Patriots for bringing up the rear. Uh, so you said the Bills are going to be in third place this year? Yeah, I'm thinking Bills in third in AFC East. Keep it just a first or second. But trust me, first yeah. and third is not going to be but a game or two behind, I'm sure. Game, game and a half. It, it, I, I could see a scenario in which the Dolphins are 14 and 3, the Jets are 13 and 4, 12 and 5, and the Bills are like 9 and 8. 10-7. Well, well, let me ask you this, Nick. Who is Miami's uh, backup QB? That's a hell of a question. Well, last, I think that's last, what it's going to come down to Miami. And I, listen, I'm not wishing that on Tua. I hope Tua has yeah, yeah, healthy And this is, of course, provided he stays healthy. Right. But but the question is going to be if he doesn't. Right? Like, like even with my Ravens, like I feel like if Lamar goes down, I don't think we can win a playoff game. But I think Huntley's good enough to just kind of not not completely lose the ship, right? Like he won't. I've got confidence that he can come in and and, and at least be competitive in the game. Uh, we still should have won that game against Cincinnati, but that's <laughs> that that literally is the play. Like Lamar makes that play. Um, but my, I guess then that's why I'm asking them. Like who is who is if if Tua goes down again and listen, Tua ain't got too many more times to go down before he's down. Uh, who's their backup? Yeah, I mean, that might be the question for for Miami, and I, and I hope they, I hope we never have to answer that question. Yeah, Heck, I hope right. we don't have to answer it for a long time. Right, right. But, and, and that's definitely a fair point. And if if it comes out that way, then yeah, take this whole thing and throw it out the window. Um, you know, Jets would obviously be number one in my book at that point. But um, you know, provided he stays healthy, Miami's going to be that's going to be hell to deal with. Yeah. So who 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 do you Terrence? You say you got Buffalo, and Nick, you have who? I'm going to officially say the Dolphins. I'm going to say the Jets come in second. Okay. So we, both okay. Had, we both had a Jets coming in second, though. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Good stuff. Now, before um, I... Bro, man, hold on. I, I think we're making I, the playoffs. I, but, I, but I want to say this, though. Um, I'm not so sure the Jets will come in second. They might come in third. Um, but it might be a situation where all three of those teams make the playoffs. Oh, it definitely can happen. That definitely can happen. Let me ask you one question before I before I wrap up my take on the on the on the uh, AFC East. I don't know if it's gotten a whole lot better, and in my opinion, they really haven't done a whole lot. 
But I guess I, I okay. maybe I do have some kind of faith in Josh Allen. I don't know how much that is. Uh, I, I'm, I'm a really big fan of Stephon Diggs, but I don't think they did anything to address the running game. So it's going to be more of the same. Uh, it's worked for the past few years, but we'll just have to see if, if the improvements to the Jets, which, listen, by all accounts, the Jets, even before they got Rodgers, were already trending upward. And, you know, they had some they had some key injuries last year. They really didn't have a quarterback. Um, so they were already trending upward, and they already had players in peace and in, in place that were going to make things difficult for Buffalo, for the, uh, uh, for the Dolphins, for the Patriots. But uh, now you add Aaron Rodgers to that mix. Uh, yeah, you know what? He should. They should take a step back. Uh, I don't, I'm, I'm going to play the stubborn game and not change my pick. But I, uh, <laughs> but I'm still, gonna, so I'm still going to get them the division. But I would not be surprised if they took a step back, guys. I wouldn't be surprised if they took a step back and finished fourth. I really so would. Basically, so basically, I won the debate, but you refused to concede. Is that what you're telling me? That's what it sounds we'll, like. <laughs> we'll, no, no, no. We'll wait at the end of the season see if you won the debate. And okay. Fair enough. Okay, okay. All right. Well, everything that you just said, Terrence, is the very reason why I'm not picking Buffalo to win the AFC East. Uh, I just think they, they did not do anything to help the running game. And and that hurts them every time. As you've said before, they're too finesse. Even though they do play in Buffalo and it's cold and it's snowing, everything that you want. That may be bad field conditions, but they're just like the Green Bay Packers from like 2011 all the way up until just a few seasons ago. Good regular season, they're going to win games, but they're soft. And when they, if they play a physical team, they hit them in the mouth, they can come into Lambeau and beat them. San Francisco 49ers did that a lot. And um, Aaron Rodgers never did anything about it. He never beat them in the postseason. And it's for the, some of those same reasons. Buffalo, that's them. They didn't, they, didn't help, they didn't help the running game. The defense is still, hey, if Von Miller stays healthy, yeah, you got a shot. But they're very suspect. When he's out, very suspect if he goes out. Not saying that he will, and I hope he doesn't. But he's going to take his time coming back. He's not in a hurry. He's already said that. He'll he'll know when he's ready. He's not going to rush back into it. Uh, I got Buffalo at three as well, and that's only just because the New England just didn't do enough for me to move them from the bottom last spot. So I still have the Patriots at four, unfortunately. I really was hoping Belichick could show me that, you know, Brady wasn't the only reason because I said that it was more Belichick, like 60-40. But it seems like if it's 60-40, it was the other way toward Brady. This is the last year for Belichick probably coaching in the NFL. They won't say that he's going to get fired, but he's on the hot seat. If if they finish at the bottom, which I think they will, this will be it, and they'll just say, hey, he's going to retire, and they're going to move on. But really, it'll be Robert Kraft saying, all right, that's enough. Thank you. It's been good. We've got to get younger, and we've got to, you know, like, get back into the times here. Uh, adapt. He's done it well for a while, but not anymore. And um, uh, so I got the Bills at three, and I've got the Jets at number two as well. So, hey, we all got that part. Uh, we agree on all of that, that. The Jets will be number two. They've got a lot. I damn near Dalvin Cook. That almost makes me want to say that they're going to be number one. But I'm holding my, I'm hanging my hat on the Dolphins this season. I mean, they're my AFC team, uh, so to say. Like I love Mike McDaniel. I've I've been on record to say that I think sometimes he runs Shanahan's offense better than Shanahan. And um, I'll get to him later in the show. But uh, yeah, I like the Dolphins. They're very good on Madden. They're if Tua can stay healthy, 
I think Jalen Waddle is going to have a season to remember. And I ain't even brought up Tyreek Hill's name yet. Mostert is still there. And if Mostert stays healthy for a second season straight, it's time to really it's time to really talk about Kyle Shanahan and why people stay injured every single year under his watch. I was paying attention closely last year. Mostert didn't get hurt. He played all season. He got hurt damn near every year except for 2019 when he was a Niner. Um, give me the Dolphins, man. If Tua stays healthy, watch out. I know Ramsey's going to be out for a little minute, but he'll be back better than ever probably, and he's just going to teach the secondary so much. He's already done that so so you know somewhat in in mini camp, OTAs, a little bit of training camp before he went down. His just his mind, his brain. That's enough for those DBs in that locker room. And um, I just think people are sleeping on how good the Dolphins can be, except for Nick. Nick, I agree with you. Miami Dolphins. I got them winning the AFC East. If they don't win the East, I can see the Jets winning the East. But I can see the Dolphins. They're going to be the last team playing in the playoffs, I think, out of that division. All right. So, there it is. Dalvin Cook is a New York Jet, and uh, the New York Jets are loaded like a baked potato. Uh, now, let's see what they're going to do. Uh, the expectations are really high now. And if he's if he really is the cherry on the cake, that's gonna have to be them holding up that Vince Lombardi Trophy. So we're gonna see how that's gonna go. Now let's shift our gears to the preseason games, uh, ladies and gentlemen. The Great Debate Show is available wherever you get your podcast. Hit the follow button, share with your friends and family, whoever that you know that listens to sports podcasts or us debating anything because we we do do that outside of sports entertainment music. Um, we do it all. Share it. Hit the follow button and you'll be notified each and every time we give you a new episode. And uh, Friday, Thursday, Friday, or whatever, Saturday and Sunday, uh, guys, we're gonna. I'm gonna ask you what was your what was your biggest take from the weekend? You know, from the good and the bad. Uh, well, you know, we'll start with Terrence on this one. What did you see over the weekend that you look forward to seeing? And then I, I, I'll go back to my post, Facebook, The Great Debate Show. You can follow us on The Great Debate Show also. My question was, who looks like they still need some training in camp, and who looks like they don't have to take another <laughs> another snap at all? Everybody's offensive line need needs they need training. Isn't that uh, the truth? Every last one of them, every single one of them. I, I listen. I, I, I watched a little bit of the Broncos game, and Russell Wilson, for the short time he was in there, was running for his absolute soul. <laughs> uh, but when when he had time, he he looked great. Yeah. He uh, but they but for some reason um. They were getting blitzes thrown at them a lot, man. Like straight up cover zeros, and, and you know, and and I guess they finally figured it out towards the end. And Russell, you know, hit uh, he hit Jerry Judy, uh, I think Jerry yeah. Judy, Jerry Judy uh, on a on a quick slant for a uh, for a touchdown. So listen, they they look like they're going to be good, man. I just think they got to fix those uh, protection issues. So that I'm looking forward to. I, but I I have a I just want to say this. I want to get it on record. Because I don't, I don't know if anybody else has really brought it up. I hope at some point this year, the Tennessee Titans give Malik Willis a real chance. Um, I say that, and I and I, I say that because I saw one play, and this play was an was an interception, by the way. But in this play, he he had perfect pause in the pocket. He stepped up. He made a 
pretty good throw. wasn't wasn't a one hundred percent great throw, but it was a pretty good throw that should have been caught. Uh, tight end, wide open, got his hands on it, dropped it. Um, and I'm just thinking to myself, if he can just do that, sit in a pocket, make decent throws, um, be extremely athletic. What is the difference between him and Tannehill? I mean, when you make it that simple, nothing. You know, um, I'm saying that to say the Titans could legitimately save some money. Uh, I'm sure a team at some point in uh, midseason will need a veteran QB. You send Tannehill off to there, you get your fourth or fifth round pick or whatever the case may be. Third round, you can if somebody's foolish enough to give it to you. Um, <laughs> You play play a young QB, you save some money, you can give some of that money to your running back, and you can have enough to uh, uh, sign you another good receiver in the offseason or, or a good de-tackle or whatever the case may be that you might need. I'm saying it to say I think the Titans have something. And I just think that Malik Willis was never given enough of a chance. Um, and I, if I'm not mistaken, everything out of the Titans camp, they've been very impressed with Malik Willis this offseason. Uh, and I, I, I think that at some point this season, they should give him a real shot, and, and not wait until the, not wait until the season is over either. Because I think there's some jobs at Bama. So like I don't know if Rabel's job is safe. I don't know um, really what the situation is going to be like in Tennessee because they've got new, uh, new management, right, Jarvis? He, well, he came from you guys. Well, yeah, yeah Rand Carthon. Yeah, yeah Rand yeah. Carthon so, came from us. So I, I feel like at some point. Give Malik Willis a real shot. If it doesn't work, you know what to do. You got you got Will Levis behind him. Um, but before you just send Malik Willis out of town, give him a shot. But what is worth? They did the idea here where they said Malik Willis is uh, listed as number two QB on the depth chart ahead of Will Levis. So you know, there's that. Um, I haven't watched him this, this preseason, so I can't really speak on it. But if it looked like apparently it looked better than it did last year, because what I saw last year did not look like an NFL quarterback that I won't lead my team. Um, at any point. So, you know, I hope the best for him. Um, I'll go, I'll probably go back and check it out, see what he did. And, uh, maybe that changes my assessment. But to this point, uh, not really on the Malik Willis train. Well, I'll say this. I like the idea that Terrence just said, uh, that I've heard, uh, that he's really progressed, uh, well in this offseason. And that's good to know. I hope so. Like I, said, I, ain't, I ain't got it against him. I yeah. certainly hope so. No, if right. He comes no, I understand. Out and, and I understand. 3,000 yards, then more power to him. I understand completely. He has to he has to get more snaps and opportunities to show us what he can do. And as of now, I it, I think they would really do what Terrence just suggested. I think if he progresses enough, they will. But if they don't, he's he's still not quite ready yet. It sounds to me like what I'm hearing about Will Levis is that he's still an experiment right now. I'm hearing the same things out of Nashville that I heard about Trey Lance in 2021, his rookie year, and the year after that he had the injury, but. I'm hearing the same thing where like he's he's trying to get his mechanics right right now. Like like he can throw, he has an arm, but they ain't really talked about how accurate it is. And they're they're looking at his release, they're looking at his stance. He's got some mechanic issues that they're working on right now. So he's dirt, he's definitely third string. He's behind. So this is one reason why they may have to hold on to Malik. Um, but if he hasn't progressed well enough to where they feel we can move on from Tannehill, they would love to save that money, but I don't know if they can do that because well, it just looks like they're they went into this training camp 
uh, pretty deep without making that move. Uh, they could definitely do it. It's post-June 1. I thought they would have did it June 2nd. But they didn't. We know now why. They got D-Hop. Uh, but I think Malik is progressing. He didn't look bad at all from what I saw either. So we'll see. Um, any more any more good from the preseason? Because, I mean, well, bad. I know the offensive lines are bad. Now, a lot of teams didn't start the starters. But from what I see, most teams are top-heavy in the, in the NFL right now in the offensive line. And um, if I know one, I know my team. I can't speak for everybody else, but if my team loses a starter, it's a wrap because we have no depth this year. From what I see, that was terrible, uh, and I'll get to that in a minute. But uh, any anything else from the weekend? I mean, um, the Broncos. Terrence just said the Broncos are going to be better. He thinks, but they have. Oh, since we're saying, since you said that, about, let me quickly say about this about Sean Payton, y'all. Terrence, thank you for saying what you said about the Broncos. Absolutely. You said something about that cover zero and all that stuff that they were throwing at him. Here's why. Sean Payton, remember just a few weeks ago, <clears throat> he really bashed Nathaniel Hackett and the coaching job that he did last season in Denver. And a lot of people took offense to that. A lot of people. Not just Robert Sala and Nathaniel Hackett and Aaron Rodgers. No. There are teams circling the Denver Broncos on their schedule, and they're probably putting SP right beside it, which is for Sean Payton. And they're trying to make him look just as bad as Nathaniel Hackett, I think. If this game is real, like y'all claim it is, I think that these coaches and these staffs are going to do everything they can to try to make that offense look just as bad as it did last year, if not worse, and say, take that and stuff it in your taco. Because they didn't appreciate it. Now, I'm not saying that Sean Payton was wrong. He didn't tell a lie. I mean, I take that back. I'm not, I don't mean to say he was wrong or wasn't wrong. That's not for me to say, but he wasn't lying at all. Uh, And, but here's the reason why Sean Payton said it, guys. And here's my theory. You know, I always got a theory. I think it's because he, (laughs) I think it's because he got to that damn team. He looked at that roster. He looked at them on the practice field. I think after mini camp, because he said this before training camp started, right before it was about to get underway. I think he looked at that team on that field and said, damn, what the hell did I get into? And I think he feels like he stepped in a pile of shit and he can't clean his shoe up for nothing. And so he just looked at it and he's already thinking that he may be doomed. And this is the best way to, I guess, kind of uh, save face to kind of look like he wasn't the problem by saying, man, this team is so damn bad, I can't fix it probably. So if he doesn't fix it, it'll... You know, this will be what we will go back to and say, well, I told you it was messed up when I got here now. And that's What if that theory is actually in reverse? What if it's what in if, reverse? What if, he, what if he actually thinks that Nathaniel had because Because what he said was that the coaching job was bad. So if you're suggesting that the coaching job was bad, that suggests that the talent was there to be successful, but that it was poorly run. Yeah. So what if he's doing it the other way, saying, don't, don't be surprised, basically, when, we, when you look up when we 13 and 4 at the end of the year. You know, I'm not saying they said 34, you know, yeah. they have a much better record than we expect. If they do like I expected them to do last year. You know what you're saying? Say what? If they if they do what I expected them to do last season. That would Right, exactly. They could, so he's like, basically, basically, what if he's saying, no, nah, I'm the man, and these guys did so poorly, just like, don't be surprised if we're 13 and 4 at the end of the year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it could be that way. That could be the way he's going with it. But I don't know. If that's the case, I'm like, hey. That that would make sense if that's the way he's going with it. But my whole thing would be like, hey, man, look, if it, 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 no matter how bad you thought he was, if you think that this still is a talented team, 
There's no need to talk about it. Just just show it. Just prove it to us. And I'm, again, he wasn't lying. But to come out and say that out loud, this is something that you say in the film room when you're talking and stuff, and somebody would have had to have it recorded, and they didn't know, and then somebody leaked that out. That's the only way we should have heard that conversation. And he actually told that right. to the public. And I was surprised, I'm not going to lie. He's saying it was Thank that bad. He's saying that it was that bad. And so I just think that maybe it really may be bad. Coaching was bad. The team may be kind of bad, too. And he may be saying, man, I've gotten myself into a dilly of a pickle here. How can I get out of this? Well, I'll just say that it was so bad I couldn't even fix it. That may not be the way. We've got two different theories, and either one of them could be correct. We'll find out which one, I guess. But, uh, hey, I'm not rooting for the Broncos like I did last year. I'm not going to holler less ride or any of that crap. Um, I'm, I'm just, I'm just going to watch it. I don't think Russ going to holler that either. I don't think he will either. But uh, they said the offensive line problems were fixed, so I don't know for sure. I'm going to go on a limb and say we're not going live today, but I'm going to go on a limb and say that that wasn't any starters. Well, no, it had to have been some starters because Russell Wilson was out there, so I don't know. They said they fixed it. They, you know, like he said that he thought he fixed it. And we'll see. It's just one preseason game, but all of the, all of the offensive lines did look weak. And I just wanted to say that part about Sean Payton. And uh, we'll see how it goes in Denver. But uh, what did I see that was that was good or bad? I thought that um, I thought that Jordan Love didn't look bad. Now he did miss one throw that he needs to be able to make in the NFL, but it's just one pass, and he's just trying to you know knock the dust off. Uh, again, he's never started. He's got like what one start in his career. Uh, I I can't wait to see what he does. But it looks like Matt Lafleur knows how to you know at least. I would say he's probably starting off with the training wheels. But by week four, week five, they'll gradually take them off. And I think he's going to be just fine. He didn't look bad uh, in his opener, his preseason debut. What else did I see that looked kind of good in the, in the preseason? Not a lot of good, but I, I will talk about the bad real quick. Oh, Zach Martin. He's, he's, he's going to be a cowboy. He's going to show back up for training camp. Jerry Jones, he did what he always did, does. Find the money. He finds the money. When he has to find the money. And he didn't wait. Kudos to him because he didn't wait till week three for them to lose the first two games like they did against Emmett when they had Emmett Smith. And he sit out until we got this stuff. And he can kind of talk him out of doing some silly things before he does it. So, um, and, and we got to give him credit too. We don't give enough credit to uh, Stephen Jones because their drafting has been pretty good. I mean, this is, they're not good for nothing. You know, they've been drafting pretty good. And, Belichick has not been drafting good lately here. So now you see the difference in why one team is missing the postseason or they may get in the wild card and that's it. And the Cowboys are a really good team. They are stacked on the defensive side. And um, it's y'all know why they why they won't win a Super Bowl or why they haven't won. Y'all know who's holding them back. But, uh, but yeah, the uh, Zach Martin is now. <laughs> Zach Martin has reported. Well, he's going to report to count because he's getting like 18 per. He was expected to make 13 and a half per this year. So he's gotten a little four, four and a half million dollar raise. It's two or three years. So I don't know if he wanted the years or what, but I thought he wanted to be the highest paid guard or right at 20 per, which is what I think Lindstrom is getting. Curious to me. Nick, if you're in practice and you hear one of your defenders on your team call their t- call your quarterback a B-A-N. And, uh, that, that, I'm going to be honest with you, that was overblown. It was overblown. That was all. That, 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 you made people made a bigger deal out of that than what it was because it got caught on camera. Uh-huh. That is that is tame in comparison to the things that I've heard on the field. Really? 
That is, that's, that's, do they, that's like, do they say that to the quarterbacks? They, I'm sorry, it, it just happens. They do that. They they do it to the quarterback. They do it to anybody, you okay? Know, especially the quarterback, because he's the only one you don't get to hit all the time or hit ever. Do you think anybody's called Tom Brady a B A? We know they didn't put the N on it, but do you they think they put the N? But probably. Okay. Okay. Probably. I, I just I just had to ask because I I'm sure, I saw I'm sure that. Seymour was giving it to him in practice. Yeah. It, it 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 seemed to me as if it's something that's said a lot, like it's is like it's it's used pretty randomly in practice because he didn't think much of it either. He just went back to the huddle. I'm like, damn, Dak, you just yeah. go, you just go take that huh? So I mean, yeah, maybe I've never been See, in the training on, camp. On the, on the wrong day at the right time, it might turn into it might turn into something. If they come across the wrong way, yeah. if it's whatever, then it might it might just go up that day. Yeah. But the idea that that's not regularly said, I mean, it, it's it's just what it is. It's a, it's a culture that. You learn, you you grow into, you learn to understand, you learn to understand what's inbounds and what's out of bounds, and even if it goes out of bounds, once it's handled, it's handled, especially amongst teammates, you know. Some yeah. of the best teammates I've had have been teammates that I've gotten in the biggest fights with, and, you know, after, after practice was over, practice is over, man, we feel we get something to eat, or the party at, whatever, you know, yeah. so. Yeah, I hear it's all good once you get off the field, it's just oh yeah, competitive nature on the field, but I mean, look, man, it does seem like from what I've heard now. Out of Texas, the reports are the Cowboys training camps this year have been more intense, and they have been really getting at Dak. It it seems like this is his last year. Everybody's stressing turnovers. We just don't need him to turn the ball over. I mean, it, everybody's, in so many words, saying, man, it's Dak holding the Cowboys back. They're saying the same oh, thing without saying it. Don't get me wrong. Two things can be true at the same time. Right. That, that, the, that exchange between Trayvon Diggs and Dak can be nothing. But there also can be a lot of tension on the team mm-hmm. towards that, where people will start, where guys will start to feel like, "Hey, we would really be a little bit better off if this dude was who y'all say he is." Right. And we don't see him being that. So both of those things can be true. Like they, like they could have just been Trayvon Diggs, how he talking when he gets competitive. Because you got to think about everybody in the NFL, damn near was the best player in high school and was one of the best players in college. They've been that level of competitive their whole life. So when you get all of them on the field together, that's what you get. You get you get a bunch of wolves going at each other, you know? Yeah. Um, so that could be true, but it could also be true that guys like Trayvon Diggs and Stephon Gilmore and maybe a couple of the guys on the defense and, you know, Zeke's gone now, but uh, maybe a C.D. Lamb, whoever else is like, if that was what y'all say is, we could get this done. So we need to see it. And if they're not seeing it in training camp, that doesn't bode well. And if Dak Prescott ends up playing a preseason game or two, which he never does, uh, that's telling me everything I need to know also. They think he needs these rips. Um, and what else we got here? Okay, so, yeah, the last thing that I've seen bad, besides all the weak offensive lines, the San Francisco 49ers look terrible. On Sunday afternoon in Las Vegas, I mean, I don't know if they, on the town, on the strip, I don't know if they lost it all on the blackjack table or what. But I know it was preseason. But I had heard that they were getting their asses handed to them in the joint practices that they had on Thursday and Wednesday and Thursday. And uh, there was a lot of drop passes and everything. That was the starters against the starters. Jimmy Garoppolo had a field day against his former 49ers defense. He didn't play, of course. None of the starters played. But they killed the Niners, I heard, even in the joint practices. And it Showed on the field on Sunday afternoon as well. 
Trey Lance struggled. I will admit he did. The offensive line was bad too, though. So here's what I saw from Trey Lance. All right, uh, he did hold the ball a little too long. He needs it needs to come out quicker, which he said after the game. But he'll watch the film and he'll get better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, um, he 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 was too indecisive. He held the ball too long, and there were a lot of moments, as bad as that offensive line was, especially when he was out there. Now, I thought Darnold had some clean pockets, but uh, Trey Lance should have took off several times instead of trying to find somebody open when nobody was open. But I would say this. if you This is how we know there was never a quarterback competition to begin with. Brock Purdy is the QB1. They're saying he's the QB1. But at first they said they were all going to compete. That's not true. Because if that was the case, Trey Lance would practice with CMC. He never does. Trey Lance would get reps. And he would, you know, like in the preseason game, he would start at least one game or one quarter with Debo, with Ayuk, with Kittle. He's throwing it to guys that are not even going to make the 53-man roster. He's not getting a fair chance. I know the word fair is frowned upon to say out loud these days. I get it. But this isn't fair. And... I'm going to tell you this, Kyle Shanahan, you said that Purdy is the real deal. You just said that a few weeks ago. You never said that about Jimmy Garoppolo. You haven't said it about Trey. He better be the real deal then. Or that's your ass, Mr. Postman. This will be the last season that Kyle Shanahan will be there. If this offensive line doesn't improve, we can't afford any injuries. If one starter goes down, that's the season. We look top-heavy only. And that goes for every position, it seems, but especially the offensive line. But Trey Lance, yeah, he looked a little shaky. He had some good plays. He had a few good moments and a few good drives. But the only touchdown pass that he had, it was luck. It should have been picked. And it got deflected off of one man's hands and chest. And then it fell into Dwelly, the tight end's arms. Hands, I mean, and it was a touchdown. That was a good drive, though. He just didn't finish it well. I just wanted to say that because I've been high on Trey and I've said he needs a chance. He hadn't really got a fair chance, but hey, he has to make the most of his chances, though, of his opportunities. And, you know, like, I don't know if he'll play next week or when he'll play, but Purdy's going to start next week, I believe, and they're going to play some starters for a little minute. Maybe he'll keep some of the starters in for Trey. Shanahan did say he wished he could have kept Trey out there to start the third quarter, but he had promised Donald that he was going to get the second half. And then he still didn't keep that promise because Darnold only played the third quarter. He brought the fourth quarter back in, Brandon Allen in the fourth, who really looked better than everybody. Guys, I'm going to go on a limb and say we're probably not going to win a Super Bowl this year with Trey Lance. We're probably not going to win a Super Bowl this year with Brock Purdy. I'm not sure. He throws about three interceptions every practice that nobody wants to talk about. It is just practice, but hey, is it because of the elbow injury? That remains to be seen, but... Jarvis, I think it's the elbow injury. I I, I think that the 49ers, uh-huh. and you know, we talked about this a little bit over the weekend, but uh, I think they are trying to bring him back too fast. Yeah, I think he should have had Tommy John surgery, which would have taken him out pretty much for the year. Yeah, uh, and I think that at some point we are going to revisit this, and the 49ers are going to regret it because they're going to cost him a long stretch of his career. Yeah, um, that could be his career if this doesn't go right. It could be. They, they it could, could be. be hurting him. It could be. Yeah. Yep. And, and, I, and I don't wish that on him. But I, when I saw that injury, when I heard about the injury, the first thing I thought was, oh, he's got to have Tommy John surgery. They neglected to not have the Tommy John surgery. Don't know why. Um, they end up getting like two and three opinions on the right. 
Yeah, I wouldn't. I don't uh, know about yeah, three, but they so. did. They definitely got a six. So it just seems like they were trying to not ha- not have him get Tommy John surgery because uh, their window, I think, might be closing a little bit. Yeah, uh, and, they, and they wanted Purdy out there, but unfortunately, that's a mistake, and I yes. think it's going to cost Purdy. And at, at some point, it's going to cost you know costing Purdy another year or two. Yeah, uh, because if he gets hit there again, if he falls on it, it uh, if he throws a ball the wrong way. It's just, it's just not good. It's not good. You, you're talking about ligaments and nerves and tendons and. Uh, yeah, it was yeah. always weird to me because if I if I understand this, I know you probably know baseball better than me, Terrence. I mean, this usually keeps pitchers out for you know at least a full season, right? Yeah, Tommy John surgery, you're going to miss a full season. Yeah, he didn't have it though. Right. So, I mean, the idea that you're going to throw you know throw just as many footballs probably as a pitcher does baseballs in, in a season. And you got to do it while getting risking getting hit. Well, it's, it's, it's also that is also the football is a lot bigger, so the grip is going to uh, put more pressure on that uh, on that joint and on that ligament. Um, <laughs> the angle is a little different than when you throw a baseball. Um, so it's it's just it, you actually I, I think you're probably using your elbow a lot more, especially when you have to push it downfield. Man, listen, it to me it's a spelling like. Uh, this is starting off like disaster, and I think they should probably shut him down and, and go on and have a Tommy John surgery. But I know how it goes, <laughs> man. We've seen this that. before with, with a Shanahan and a quarterback, um, and they they essentially ended RG 3s career. He still, you know, played a while and made made a couple dollars, but he was never RG three that we saw that year because they effectively crippled him. Yep, and Terrence, that's how I'm closing my argument right there because. It's been seven years now. This is season number seven for the John Lynch, Kyle Shanahan regime. And we're still putting a question mark behind the position quarterback. He should have had one by now. And I'm tired of talking about it. I won't speak on it anymore. This will be it. I'll just recap what happened and how the season progresses. But for the last time, I'm going to say this. From what I'm hearing. From these reporters and the resources that I follow and all the research that I've done, Trey Lance could have taken this job. Sam Darnold could have taken Purdy's job, but neither one of them did enough to just blow them away to say, hey, tough luck, Purdy. Better luck, better luck next time. But he's only able to still keep his job because they didn't blow them away. They just had decent practices. And, you know, That's their fault. And that, that is their fault. It's their fault also, but I will tell you this. Back to the word fair again, I hate to say that, and I know it sounds like I'm making excuses, but y'all, Trey Lance never gets any reps, and when he does, it's with second stringers and people that are not going to make the 53-man roster. So, again, Purdy's playing with the starters. He throws three picks every practice damn near. That's that's facts. Pull it up. Anybody that wants, any 49er fan that wants to check me on it, this is what all the reporters are saying. Some are too negative, some are too optimistic, but it's somewhere in between and everybody says that he's throwing two and three picks a, a practice. I don't know if he's ready or not. I think he is kind of coming back too soon. We're going to see. I ain't saw Purdy yet. I like me some Purdy now. Don't nobody think that I hate him and I want him to fail. It's just that we gave up a lot for Trey. It has nothing to do with the his with the, his, the color of his pigmentation or any of that. It's the fact that we gave up three fucking first-round picks. And I want Kyle Shanahan's head on a platter. I mean, I shouldn't say it like that, but I want his job. <laughs> If he doesn't get this right. So I'm saying this. What I've been saying all along. I've been saying it for three years now. We should have called Tom Brady. And that's the biggest mistake Kyle Shanahan made. How are you going to draft an ex- a quarterback that is an experiment 
which it looks like this is what Trey is, and Nick has said this all along. But how will you draft somebody that that is an experiment and you're in a win now mode, Super Bowl window closing slowly? No. And the goat is available. And the goat is available. Thank you. <laughs> how in the how do you do that? So he did it backwards, and this is why he should get his job took from him if this doesn't work out with Purdy. And what I don't like about Shanahan is the fact that he wants us to forget that he fucked up and, and gave away three first-round picks for Trey just because we're supposed to just say, it's okay, you, you got lucky you know, with Purdy with the last pick in the draft, we forgive you. No, not really, because we can't get that capital, that draft capital back, though. Now, I know that's his plan to get a third, maybe a third and a fifth or something like that. Who's gonna give it? Who's gonna give that to us right now after watching Trey on Sunday? Nobody wants to trade for him yet. He's gonna have Nobody. to really. He's gonna have to redeem himself, <laughs> and I think he can do that. But I'm just saying, Kyle, you've really dropped the ball on this one, and you're doing everything you can to keep from holding yourself accountable again in that 2017 draft when you first took the Niner job. You drafted Solomon Thomas. With the number two pick overall. And Deshaun Watson was still on the board. Patrick Mahomes was still on the board. And then you moved up in the late first round and drafted Reuben Foster. A linebacker out of Alabama who, well, I don't even have to say anything else. So, hey, like, man, Reuben could play though. But let's not get it twisted. It's not like he couldn't ball. Okay, like I said, I didn't want to say anything else, and I won't. He's not. Where is he at right now? Case closed. Cal Shanahan f that up with the quarterback. He said, "Forget that. I'm gonna wait on Kirk Cousins." He never even got Cousins. He got Jimmy Garoppolo. That didn't work out. Belichick gave him to him, and he said, "All right, yeah, I guess we'll take him." And that didn't work out. Now he's stuck with two young quarterbacks. He doesn't know what to do. He's running like a chicken with his head cut off. He just doesn't want to admit it. And we're in Super Bowl mode. How can we win a Super Bowl, though? I'm beginning to believe that the Eagles reporter was right. As good as the Niners are as a team, as solid as we are from top to bottom, we have the, we're have the we missing the one thing that we need to win a Super Bowl. And that may very well be the quarterback. Now, now even though he said that, there's going to be a lot of egg and bacon in his face if we win the Super Bowl this year. That's one of the reasons why I was like, we're going to win the Super Bowl then if he's talking like this. But, man, they need to look a lot better than what they did Sunday. I know it's just preseason. I know it's just one game. And this is not overreaction Monday for me. It's just that that was shitty. That was really, really shitty. And maybe it was a good wake-up call for the team. Maybe everybody's going to bust their ass now and they're going to come with it. But I'm telling you right now, Brock Purdy hadn't looked that good that's why we we shouldn't feel like, well, it's okay if Trey's not going to work out. We still got Purdy. We don't really know what Purdy is anymore. I know what he was before Hassan Reddick hit his ass, but I don't know what he is after that. Because every time they say he throws the ball over 30 yards down the field, something bad happens. Linebackers can just run back under the ball like it's a punt return and pick it off because it falls that short. It floats that long. Like, what the hell's going on, Brock? I think they did rush him back too fast. We're going to find out. I'm going to say it again. It's not too late to call Tom Brady. It's not too late. Uh, all that money you're trying to give Nick Bosa, give some of that shit to Brady, to the GOAT. <laughs> you think we wouldn't win a Super Bowl with Brady and, and Bosa still sat out all year? I beg the difference. No. What would you say, Nick? You said no? No, I don't. 
So you think if Bosa sat out all year and we gave that money to Brady, we still wouldn't win? No. No. Because you still got a block for him. Well, Bosa don't play on the offensive line. I know, but you still got a block for Brady. So as good as Brady might be, he, he, he ain't no good throwing off his back. Oh, we can block for Brady. The ball's going to come out when it needs to come out, unlike these indecisive quarterbacks we have right now on the roster. And the starters, are, they're not bad now. I just said if we if anybody gets hurt, it's, we got some problems. But with Tom Brady, Brady can still play. I think he can play good enough to get us where we need to go. Again, McVay said, all right, golf, we appreciate it. But uh, here go them papers. Wish you the best of luck on your future endeavors. He went and got Stafford. It worked. Shanahan's got to stop thinking like this. He's got to stop thinking he's the smartest person in the room. His offense isn't even that damn good. I'm sick of seeing that same who? Eric Carr. I don't know. We're not doing this. I don't know if we're not. Yeah, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not even gonna do it. We'll have a five-hour episode of Nick talking about Derek Carr. Yeah, yeah. I'm not. You're not doing it again. I'm not gonna do it. And I've already turned this into a 49 episode, so let me leave it alone. But I just wanted to speak my piece on what I saw. I know a lot of people wanted to hear what I thought. Because a lot of people were probably smiling when they saw Trey struggling. And it's okay. Like I said, I could care less who we win the Super Bowl with. I just want to win the Super Bowl. But I got the funniest feeling. The funniest feeling. That Purdy shouldn't be playing week one when T.J. Watt lines up over our right tackle, Colton McKinnis. Because he is, Jarvis, is, Jarvis is really worried about T.J. Watt. I'm really not worried about him. I'm just trying to tell everybody what's going to happen <laughs> If they don't get that right. I cannot believe Shanahan is so arrogant where he thinks that his offense, and I know it's all about timing, but I can't believe he actually thinks that he can protect this. Like, that is the, what, what is that what I used to say about the the cologne, how you use the cologne to cover up that funk or that deodorant. Mm-hmm. He's trying to cover, he's trying to put up about 10 sticks of deodorant on that offensive line. And, 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 and look around and ask anybody, you don't smell anything, do you? Like, yes, we do. It's rotten over here. And on the right side, it's not that good. And I can't believe he thought that this was going to work. He thinks that, I mean, I hadn't seen him play yet against anybody, but the Raiders' defense, I'm told, is still not that good. And they killed those guys in one-on-ones. They killed them in the joint practices. And I know it's just practices, but damn, now They say Fred Warner is very intense in practice. He talks a lot of trash. He didn't back any of that up, though, in Vegas. And so I'm just saying that, man, the right side of the offensive line is what I always hear problems about. Our, our, our right tackle is good enough to go up against, you know, pass rushers that are mid. But when he goes up against a good pass rusher or pro bowler, he's going to get barbecued, I'm hearing. That's not a good thing. I can't believe he actually thought. I know McGlinchey wasn't that good, but I can't believe he didn't think that he needed to replace McGlinchey or, you know, with an improvement. McKevitz may be an improvement. But not much. Um, we'll see, guys. All right, that's the good and the bad from training camp this this weekend. And we've already talked about the AFC East. Now let's close the show with James Harden. Um, Nick, you want to run by what Mr. Harden uh, told the public today? So what's even funny is actually he said this in like a room full of kids. I think he was, there, he was hosting a camp. It was like a room full of kids, kind of at random. And he basically said that Daryl Moore is a liar and he's not going to be a part of any organization <laughs> that he's a part of going forward. Now, I don't know exactly how he plans on working that out unless he's going to bust the fat suit back out again. Um, but it seems like Daryl Moore is not receiving the trade offers that he would like for him. Um, 
and other teams are not willing to offer more. So he's like, hey, you're going to keep James here? And even after James's rant, uh, to my understanding, Darren Moore basically responded and said, I'm not going to get into a back and forth with James Harden, but we're going to keep him because we're not getting the offers that we wanted. So, I, you know, what you do with that, I, I can't really tell you. Um, it's going to be interesting to watch it play out. I okay. think um, I find it weird that James Harden wants to trade in the first place um, just because I don't really see many better situations basketball-wise for him. Uh, I mean, unless it's just all about the money, which he's made plenty of it in his career at this point. So I don't understand why that would be the case. The thing that's missing from his legacy is winning the championship. So. Is an extra, you know, ten million dollars a year, and don't I'm not trying to count his pockets. I'm just saying, it's ten million dollars a year. Really don't matter that much to you. Is it going to really change your zip code? You know what I'm saying? So um, it's a strange situation. I definitely look forward to seeing how it works out. Um, you know, we've seen what James Harden does when he gets gets this rumble. As I mentioned, the aforementioned fat suit. So um, we may be seeing that James Harden here come uh, come October. Oh, no, they say he's in great shape. They say he's been on a great diet and everything. But, I mean, I don't know who he's going to suit up for, though. Um, Terrence, what's your take on all of this? Yeah, they, they said that shit when he went to Brooklyn, too. And we see how that turned out. For a minute, he, yeah, for a minute he was. You yeah. know, yeah. I, I think I'm somewhere in between on this. Okay. Uh, and, I'm, uh, and, I, and I am only in between on this because the narrative of James Harden's career is him not winning big games uh, and him pouting and and figuring out how to lead teams. Uh, with the exception of Oklahoma City, I understand he was never going to be the, the main guy there. I respect him actually for going to Houston, which really catapulted his career. Uh, and, he was, and he was the guy there as opposed to staying there being third fiddle and never getting the money he, he, he could have made. So I respect him for that. But ever since then, it's been... Oh, I got any one out of Houston. I want to go to Brooklyn. Oh, I want to go to Philly. Uh, now he wants out of Philly. And, I, you know, that part of it, I'm definitely sick of. Um, so that, that, that's, that's my negative side of it towards James. But let me just say this. What he said was, he called his boss, Daryl Morey, a liar. And, you know, most of us, one way or another, we've been working, all working for a long time. Uh, Nick, you can't use these words because <laughs> you work with your fam, but <laughs> uh, I um, I have had jobs where I believe that my boss, at one point or another, either lied to me or I just considered them a liar in general. That's the worst feeling because now you don't trust that person. Um, now I, I, I feel like if, you know, if I'm getting millions of dollars, you can lie all you want to and I, I'll deal with it. But, um, but when it comes to showing up to work, giving it your all, uh, it's hard to do that when you believe the person that's supposed to be leading you is a liar. So I felt when James said that and I heard it, I felt it. And you know what? Unless they have a real good sit-down talk, he probably won't play for Philly. I can see James holding out because, you know, I'm poor. I couldn't miss work, but he's rich. He could do that. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. As I mentioned, $10 million a year one way or another is not really going to change much for him. No, 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 no. He, he's uh, he's poor. I'm, not, I'm poor, man. I had to. I still had to go to work the next Tuesday after I, after my boss lied <laughs> in my face. But, um, you know, it's not the same with James. 
Mm -hmm. So I felt that, and I, I really hope they get it worked out. And I say that because I don't think Philly is missing much. Guys, we're talking about Philly making one shot down the stretch of game six, and they're in the conference finals. Yeah. Like one shot between MB and Harden, and they just froze. It's like they – this is where, you know, Jarvis says the game isn't real. This is where, you know, there's some <laughs> evidence to back that up because those guys forgot how to play basketball down the stretch. Hmm. They just forgot how to play basketball the last minute of the game. Yeah. And Jason Tatum all of a sudden remembered how to play basketball. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, so he had that in the first 47 minutes. He just totally forgot. Totally forgot. And it's like the spirit of Kobe legitimately said, boy, if you don't, you out here wearing <laughs> my wristbands and looking like a chump, boy, if you don't. <laughs> and he listened. Um, <laughs> you know, that's the difference between them going to the conference finals and us having this conversation. Yeah, but that's been James his whole career. Yes, it's yes. always this play or that play. He should have made, could have made. Yes, well, he didn't show up in the season OKC really. In the he did not show up in the finals at all. That was to me that was the difference. Yes, yep. If you go that's back and look at those numbers, Durant averaged like 32, 33 a game. Westbrook was still Westbrook. Yes, Harden was out there and just forgot how to play. Yes. So this is narrative, and and I f I really wish he would focus harder on fixing that, hmm. as opposed to this beef with Daryl Morey. That's, you know, I get it. He's a liar. You think he's a liar? But man, that's a lot of image repair there, James. And I I think at some point that narrative is going to stick because I don't know I don't know what team James can go to right now to change that. Like I know he wanted to go to the Clippers. What is he going to do for the Clippers? The Clippers don't think much. They don't think he could have did much for them either. They didn't make the. What is he gonna do the for the Clippers? They, they, they already got Russell Westbrook. I mean, we've seen the two of them before together. Best case scenario. Best case scenario. James doesn't play the beginning of the season. Somebody, I don't want to say gets hurt or something, but somebody makes a trade pitch for him for the All Star break. Maybe he goes to Milwaukee. Um, maybe Miami. I don't know. We, we gotta wait till the Dame situation gets gets sorted out. That's been uh, real quiet. Like a lot of teams are not going to make any moves until that's situated because he's clearly not going to be in. Well, I don't want to say clearly, but more than likely, he's not going to be in Portland. Um, so yeah, yeah man, they clear no more. They said that's been quiet for a minute. That's been real quiet. I feel like a lot of times they're just working the money and the people out. Like, I think that trade is probably already a done deal internally. They just can't announce it because they got to get everything all the all the fine details worked out and. That, that's okay. That's understandable. It but, usually does. Uh, but, but regardless, Miami's not going to make a move until that happens. New York is not going to make a move until that happens. James has just about run out of teams to go to. Yeah. Yes. He has. And, I, and I, I'm just, this is the part of the new NBA that a lot of us older guys don't like. Agreed. Because every year it's, it's, it's like fantasy basketball. Oh, he's going here. And, and you know what I really hate the most about all this? I'm going to say this, and we can leave it alone. Stop buying I hate the jersey. Photoshop generation. And this is somebody that, that makes money doing photography. But I really hate when when there's this fantasy trade book. I mean, within three seconds, man, you look up and there's this Photoshop picture of this person and this team's jersey. And I'm like, first of all, y'all are quick. I mean, maybe I should right. do Photoshop a little bit more. But it irritates me because... I just don't like the fantasy basketball. I I would have it would have been my preference if all these guys stayed on their teams and they were drafted on personally. I would have appreciated that. But I understand the culture changed. 2010 changed everything. 
Um, but paying it enough is enough. And to me, James Harden is just about been the worst of that. This is about to be his, what, fourth team? Yeah, I mean, as much as we want to put it on LeBron and on KD, I mean, yeah. he's been... Yeah. He, like, I, I feel like at a, right at a certain point, at a certain point, you go to so many teams, and it has to dilute your legacy even more. Right. You know, it has to dilute your legacy even more. Yeah. Well... Because yeah. I, I don't, I don't want to think about Melo at the back end of his career playing for the Lakers. Like, I hate that. Yeah. Yeah, you know the years in Portland were cool, but he shouldn't. He shouldn't even had to go to Portland. Yeah, See who it is? Melo. He should have even had to go oh, to yeah. Portland at the back end of his career. Right. You know, I don't want to think. I don't. I never want to think about Patrick Ewing and and what was that Toronto or was that Orlando? Toronto, I think it was. Orlando. Hakeem Olajuwon went to Toronto. In Toronto. That's right. You're right. Like I don't want to think about that. Jordan on the Wizards. That's a, to me. That's a different scenario. Jordan was. Older, a little banged up, but like he was still somewhat formidable. Uh, surely a shell of his athletic self, uh, but still a good ball player. Those guys went to teams and they were not even good ball players. And I just, I hate that. And and James is still a very capable basketball player. You know, what's the difference between James now and like three years ago? Maybe a little bit of explosiveness. There wasn't it, being explosive isn't James' game anyway, so who cares? Yeah, that's right. Um, <clears throat> That's right. I just hate to see him wasting his career going from team to team, having these little beefs with with GMs. Uh, look, handle that privately, man. Darren Moore used to be his guy too. That's what's crazy. See, Darren Moore, whatever Darren Moore did, he must have promised James something that he can't get. I'm quit calling this man James. He must have promised Harden something that he couldn't give him. Or he, 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 when somebody calls you a liar, that is tough. That is strong publicly. Yeah, publicly yeah. in front of kids. In, I love saying this in 4K. <laughs> that is that is very strong. Whatever Maury said, he screwed up somewhere with Mr. Harden. Yeah. Well, I think you all have said enough about Harden. I won't say anything. I don't even want to talk about Harden. I just wanted to bring it up because hell, yeah, it was it was some news that broke earlier today, and we wanted to talk about it and see what the hell is going on with him and why hadn't he got traded. I never really thought he would. I already said that I didn't think anybody wanted him. I think he has run out of teams, and there's no sense in wasting my time talking about James Harden in August when I know I'm not going to be talking about him in, in May, and I damn sure ain't going to be talking about him in June because I don't give a damn if he gets traded to the Miami Heat or the Milwaukee Bucks or the L.A. Lakers or whoever could win a championship right now. He'll screw it up for them because if they need him to make a play, he's not making it. And we all know that. Now, I was trying to get back on his wagon and give him some props when he made this shot in Game 5. But then he pulled the disappearing act again like he normally does in Game 6. And then there was the Game 7, which it shouldn't have been because they had Game 6. They could have closed them out in the last two yep. minutes. Tatum snapped and nobody done a damn thing about it or the last four minutes. And, um, you know, and again, that's to no fault really to even Doc Rivers. You know, like, hey, man, just make a play. And he never does it when you need him to. How about changing up your your thing? You know, like you like to carry your team all season long and you like to – you know, like, then you burn out by the postseason and that's your excuse and people can make that excuse and, and you don't get any pushback from it. Like, I don't buy that. I don't, that doesn't work for me. How about you start off the season slow? And who cares if you're a seventh seed or a sixth seed? 
who cares? I mean, you you work your ass off all season to get MVP numbers and to get a fourth seed at best, and then we're going to exit in the second round every year? No, nah, the hell with that. How about you don't get it going until April? And then we and now we know we've got you for April, May, and possibly June. And we may be a sixth or seventh seed, but wait, man, if we got you and you're going to make plays for us, then we good. But he's not going to ever do that. He just he just pulls these disappearing acts too much. And, man, I, in Houston, when they didn't do it with Chris Paul, I'm like, hey, man, I'm done. And, um, yeah, that's it. I'm not wasting my time on hard. Y'all did good. I think that was uh, pretty – I agree with everything you all said, and we'll see whatever happens. But I could care less where Harden goes because I know wherever he goes, that's the team I'm not betting on as far as the um, the, the the championship goes of 2024. Uh, that's all I've got, though. We, we pretty much talked about everything that we wanted to talk about that we thought was um, worth mentioning. Uh, if there is anything else, in the uh, no, I think that's 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 pretty much it. Uh, Purdy is gonna play. Michael Orr story. What's that now? Michael Orr. Oh wow. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well. <laughs> well. Yeah. Uh, if we get on it, we're probably gonna hit that ninety minute mark. And I was trying not to, but yeah, more times before that the whole adoption thing from that Caucasian family was a lie. They never really adopted him. And the Blind Side movie, uh, there was a lot of things that he said plenty of times was false. Um, and I think that's why more and more. They started to put these things in the beginning of the movie, which you're about to watch. Is you know, there's some fiction, and there's some you know, it, it ain't all true. Some of this stuff might have took place and may not have. They start to put that on there now because so you can't come back and do this. But of course, they weren't doing it in 2009 or 10, whenever that movie came out. And uh, now here we go. He's suing them. He probably won't get whatever he's asking for, but he has said that. Hey man, they got millions. Off that movie, and uh, he didn't get a penny of it, and they got that money off of his story. So, uh, what's so, y'all, y'all take on that? So, I'm gonna have actually a kind of an interesting take on this because I, I listen to uh, 92.9 FM a lot. Uh, those guys got a really great lineup over there, but uh, I was listening to Dad Jeff Calkins on the show this evening, and he actually talked to Sean Tooley. And he talked to him, he said, Listen, he said, I'm not trying to write a story per se. I just, you know, obviously, Michael, Michael's side is coming out. If you want to tell your side of the story, I'm I'll share I'll share that with my audience. Um, and what Sean too basically said is they didn't really make any money worth talking about off of the blind side. He said I think they got something like 16, 16 grand a piece. Um, of and I'm not saying they didn't make any money. I understand sixteen grand a piece for him, and his wife, and his three his three biological children. Um, and you know, of course, he calls Mike is his adopted son. Um. For most people, that would be a lot of money. Understand this is a man who sold off most of his his fast food franchise and real estate por- portfolio to the tune of about $213 million. So sixteen grand means a lot less in his household than it does in probably the household of everybody else listening to this show, including my own. Right. Um, but yeah, and then they got, you know, some checks of like, they, it would sound for like 2.5% of whatever the movie made. Or some, some thing where basically they... They've not seen any money that is substantial to them. He's like, you know, he's like, I'm just being honest about this. I've, I've made quite a bit of money. The money that I've made off the blind side and, you know, whatever else with Mike is not, doesn't change anything for me. Okay. okay. And so that, that put it in a perspective to me where it's like, okay, that, like, that makes sense. Like, if this was, you know, a decently well-to-do family, if this was a guy that was, you know, worth 
a quarter million dollars and he saw a way to try to, you know, make some five figures worth of money. Okay. Yeah, you might have had a, a hand in it because you this was this meant something to you, right? But for a guy that's made two hundred thirteen million dollars, I mean, forty thousand dollars, whatever. Like, okay, I went and bought my daughter a car because she graduated high school. I paid cash and then we went to dinner. Like, like that's that's what happens with that kind of money, and, and like he doesn't sweat it. So, um, that puts it in a, in a different perspective for me. I've also heard some things that suggest. That Michael Orr has not done well with his money, um, and so this may be a convenient time for him to Cash be in. doing this. Now, now, I don't know if that's true. I'm not suggesting that it is. This is just what I've heard, um, and so that put a different perspective on it from the initial feeling based on reading what was submitted. That man, the two is really trying to get over on this dude, or really did get over on it. Um, you know, maybe Sean's not telling the truth. Maybe they, you know, had the payments go to a shell corporation, and there's you know, levels to the story. I don't know. Um, but obviously, you know, as a black man and knowing the history of this country, hearing this story on the, on the surface went, yep, I, I, understand, I understand where that can come from very quickly. Like, that made sense. Mm -hmm. But then hearing more of the details, it starts to make a little less sense. Um, and so I'd, I'd be curious to see what the truth turns out to be reported to be. Mm. Yeah, I think in this situation, we kind of have to wait on that. Uh, I think the most interesting thing is that the family has not spoken to the best of my knowledge. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what kind of lawyers, uh, we know they'll release a lawyer statement. Uh, it'll be on the 10 o'clock news tonight, I guarantee you. And <laughs> right. we'll just see what they say. And uh, I know what it looks like. And it, I know what it smells like. And I think Stephen, they used to always say, if it looks like a, uh, if it looks like a duck and talks like a duck, it's not a damn mongoose. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, but at, but at the same time, I, I would very much like to wait to see what that statement is, see how they counter, and and ultimately just see what happens in court because we know it'll be headed there. But at the same time, guys, uh, be smart about what you sign. That's right. Well, I'm not gonna say much on it because hey, you know, right now. Oh, oh I'm sorry. That's a that's a vital part of the story that I left out. But what he also said was what happened with that situation is that Michael or by the time. This became a thing. Michael Orr was already 18. The reason it became a thing is because, obviously, he was living with the Tuies at the time, and the Tuies were uh, Ole Miss boosters. And so this was a NCAA problem. And so, essentially, the conservatorship only was put into place to satisfy the NCAA to say that they weren't just moving in a top high school football recruit to entice him to go to Ole Miss. You see what I'm saying? Like, they had, like, they, that, the, that was supposedly the initial motivation for doing it. Not because they didn't want to adopt him, supposedly. Maybe they did, maybe they didn't. I won't speak on that. But they, they literally couldn't. Um, and so in order for this not to become a problem for Mike's future, if he if he chose to go to Ole Miss, which of course he ultimately did, then they needed to have this in place so that he wouldn't, so that NCAA wouldn't have a problem with it. Sounds okay. like there's a lot of layers. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Tell me about it. The only thing sounds I'll like say sounds like some dirty business, regardless. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. No, there's, there's a lot of ways you can play that part of the story as well. And is it all okay? Is, is we are we going to say that this is what the NCAA said when really we were all in cahoots because of this? You know, where did the money all actually go? There's, there's a lot. There's a lot of layers to it. For well, sure. if he's suing, I'm pretty sure he has his his lawyers have come up with enough evidence to prove otherwise. 
But uh, we we'll see. I'm pretty sure he's got we'll his see. ducks in a row for this for him to actually think he has a case. You usually don't go into lawsuits unless you kind of know you've got a shot at least. I'll say this, um, and I'm not gonna say much about who I believe because. You know how it goes, man. You know, when once this gets to court, everybody is guilty until proven innocent. Oh, I'm sorry. Is it the other way around? My bad. Anyway, um, <laughs> I think that one thing that Nick said that, that stuck with me is that, and they definitely could have money going into other companies, other accounts. It doesn't have to be his name. His name doesn't have to be on it. If this, if this guy has a business and it seems like some good, wealthy businesses, then it could be going anywhere. And I'm not saying that this man was getting more money from the film than he says he does. Sixteen grand isn't anything to him if this guy is worth whatever he's worth. And if he's, you know, I heard something about 213M somewhere in the, in the conversation, uh, Nick, that you were saying he sold he sold a business or something for that amount. So, yeah. He, six, sold, he sold a bunch of Taco Bells and, and Kentucky Fried Chickens and other real estate. Okay, he, okay, he's, okay. He owns like 11 of them. Okay, he um, franchises so, a gang mean, of fast food joints. Of gotcha. <laughs> Okay, so yeah, he's you know. been franchising the hell out of some of these fast food places, and it makes sense. It's smart, and he, okay, yeah, sixteen racks is breadcrumbs to him. But I will say this: I don't know when he made that sale, when he done that. Who knows? The film could have been the reason why he was able to do that. I don't know. But when you said something about two percent, I know what you're talking about there, and we don't know if it's really two percent or not. And two percent still could be a lot. And we're talking about, I'm talking about residuals, ladies and gentlemen. Um, now that I'm kind of uh, trying to get my foot in the industry uh, of the filming industry and that door, residuals is something that they definitely are owed and do, you know, because, you know, the movie is portrayed about them, their 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 story, their family, and what they've done with Michael Orr. But it depends on how much the movie made. I've never checked the box office. I've never checked how much it made domestically, internationally, or anything like that. I think they said the movie made something like $300 million. Okay, so 2% is still a lot of damn money out for $300 million, to be honest with you. I don't know exactly what he got, and 2% is something that he's saying. It may be more than that. But residuals, if he's getting, if, if that family's getting residuals for that film, as they should, they probably made a whole lot more than what he's telling us. And that's the reason why Michael Laura thinks he has right, a case. Like, 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 if you come back and tell me, no, actually, he made thirty-five million dollars. It may not necessarily be that much. It might, if, it was, if you come back and tell me he made, if you come back and tell me he at least made nine figures, that's ten million dollars, right? Uh huh. Is that eight figures or nine figures for ten million? Ten million. Uh, damn, I need to be rich to know that. I think that's eight. No, that's eight. Eight figures. Yeah. If you tell me he made eight figures off of it, then I'm looking at you like I'm looking at it like all right. Now, if you if you told me he made ten million dollars, I would have a problem. If you told me he made three million. I'm like, okay, I mean, I feel like $3 million is an amount that he, that the family and Mike could, if there was some sort of beef, they could have worked that amount out, I feel like, without having to do all of this. Yeah. So, it's either, it's either one of two things. Either it's true that the Tuies have made a substantial amount of money out of this, and Mike has been advised of the problem that that is, and, and the, how wrong that is, which it would be. Or, it's true that Somebody got in Mike's ear and said, "Hey, this is this is what's happened," and blah blah blah, without understanding that the two didn't really make anything worth fighting about off of it. Relatively speaking, fifty thousand that they made forty fifty thousand dollars off. Relatively speaking to me, yeah, we got a problem. I need my fifty bands. Nick, but for them, it's like fifty dollars. Yeah, Nick, I'm telling you now. Okay, mm, that, but, that, uh, percent, uh, that percent. The, the only question I have in all of this, and it, 
like I said, there's layers. But the only question I have is, why now? Was he signed to some kind of non-disclosure or something that lasted a certain amount of time? Like, nah, I think we know why now. I think we do know that. We don't. We and don't that's, have to and see that's it right the argument. Now, yeah. Any any opposite attorney is going to use against him. No doubt. And no it, doubt. And you may be right, T. But still, if 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 Terrence said that that man said two percent, he's talking about residuals. And if that film made over three hundred million dollars, he made more than that sixteen thousand. See. One thing I learned Absolutely. about this plus, acting plus streaming deals are still making money on that movie. Yes, so he had so that means well, Michael Orr wouldn't be lying when he what, said what he's made the point that he said is like over the years they they may have made it like he said like five years ago they got a check a random check in the mail for like six thousand dollars and they called the guy was like what's this for and he was like oh yeah you know the movie made some more money based on your deal or whatever so we owed you six thousand dollars yeah but if they, um. <laughs> Man, if they've but, got residuals like, in that like, contract, like, I mean, again, the amount of money he's talking about is probably six figures at best, according to what he's saying. Uh, whether that's true or not, that's, that may be a whole other story. Yeah. But according to what Sean Tui has said, we're talking about six figures or less. Mm-hmm. Hey, man. Which, again, is, is much less significant in their households than it is in ours. Yeah, I mean, that's not millions. Yeah, that's not millions. But I'm telling you. And he may be telling the truth. I'm not saying, I'm not calling that man a liar. I'm not calling it, uh, Sean a lie at all. He could very well be telling the truth. There's definitely some red flags with Michael Orr's, why he's coming out with this stuff now, and I, I know why. But again, it still, if he knows that he made millions, he does have a case, though. You know, Regardless of why he's doing it now or not, he does know. And I'm telling you, one thing that I'm learning in this industry is that a lot of contracts are signed or not signed based on residuals. Some people think that, you know, hey, I, you know, hey, man, you know, I'm not signing this unless I get more residuals. And if it's fair, you know what? Yeah, we need you. Yep, let's do it. Come on, let's go. Some people, you know, feel, you know, like, no, hey, man, you're not getting any residuals. You're getting what you get out of the budget. This makes or breaks deals and budgets. 16000 is what they got out of the budget. And I, and I know for a fact it ain't a lot of money in some of these films. It depends on the budget. You know, uh, you could be on a $300,000 budget. You could be on a $3 million budget. You, you're going to get paid a lot more if you if you can get casted or booked for the $3 million budget. And if they agree to give you residuals, Nick, it could have been $6,000 checks. But what if he's gotten 60 of those $6,000 checks over the years? And we don't know how many of those he's gotten, though, because... Again, residuals are a big key into what these actors and actresses and everybody makes with these casts. Residuals is what keeps it going. This is how some people can go years without working because they're still getting paid off of stuff that we're streaming from 10 years ago. And this is the reason why some contracts don't get made. I've been in the situation before already, you know, oh, yeah. where hey, contracts hey, I, I, will I, I, or will I not. I know you know the movie business is better than both of us, but I'm just, this This is what they are saying. He, he's saying that I got you. The, the amount of money he was talking about is, is not significant in his world this was not some money grabbing scheme because it, it wasn't worth it right you know what I'm saying? I, I understand that's what, what i would expect got. him to say if he's lying if he really stole millions or if he's made millions and didn't give him a piece of it yeah, I, now, if, now if he's lying then that's a whole different conversation yeah yeah but again i'm not calling him one i'm just saying that you know hey man that's a lot of money man residuals man you can that that stuff it's gonna always come you're gonna always get it because people are going to still always watch it. It's still out there. So as long as it's being distributed, there's always going to be a residual check if he's getting it. And even if it's only 2%, which it very well could be only 2%, <laughs> if it made over $300 million, man, they're still doing all right. And again, that still may be chump change to him. But if, 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 if he's lying, 
Michael Lord's got a case. That means he has made millions off of it. And that remains to be seen. Who knows? Uh, but when I heard 2%, I know exactly what that is. It's residuals, I'm sure. And that movie. I, Sandra Bullock got an Oscar for that damn movie, man. You know, So I was like, man, this is good, man. I mean, like, this is really good. She she really did do good. She's a great actress. And she won a damn Oscar for it. Now, I know if that was Angela Bassett, she wouldn't have got nothing. Maybe a nominee. But, yeah, she won a damn Oscar for it. And you're telling me that all this is probably Angela, Angela Bassett adopting a white kid uh, that plays a sport. Nah, she wouldn't have gotten an Oscar. She would have gotten a charge. Yeah, right, right. It damn sure wouldn't have been an Oscar. You know what I'm saying? And so, like, I'm just saying, like, it's crazy. She got an Oscar and all of this is a damn lie. (laughs) But, but, But anyway, Nick, we thank you for explaining that because you just gave me a better understanding because I didn't know or care to know. But now I got a better understanding on why they didn't adopt him and I can see how he can spin that too, and Michael Lore is trying to look like the victim here in all of this. I don't know who's right or wrong, and it's not for me to say, but we just wanted to just put that out there that uh, he's definitely suing. Everybody knows about it now, probably, and they probably don't think it's a big deal, but uh, it happened in our area, so we wanted to talk about it because Michael Lore went to the same alumni as my two co hosts on the show, Terrence Smith and Nick Ely. Um, and um, he's from South Memphis. So you know what's you, you know what I mean like this is the area from the hood you know so um yeah I, I've met Mike's biological mom before they are very South Memphis uh huh and he's gonna get South Memphis right now in the courtroom on these people it seems. he surely is yeah well that's all we've got ladies and gentlemen for the show uh it's been a great one and uh, but we've hit that time limit and we've got to get out of here and pay some bills but we appreciate you listening. To all of our listeners that are still with us and have been with us since day one, we appreciate you. To all of our fans who don't know that they're fans and they still, you know, sneak in and listen every now and then but don't want us to know it, we appreciate you all. Too. WWE. Right, right, right. Some, some, some of these people in, in Connecticut and New York that are just saying some of the things that we say on the show. Uh, I, I, I said something about Andy Reid could possibly be the GOAT one day. I said that on this podcast. It's been some months now. It was probably immediately after the football season. But anyway, about a month or two later, Michael Vick comes out and says the same thing on his pod, on somebody's podcast that Andy Reid is or is very close to being the GOAT. Now, I know a lot of people think that's what he's going to say. The man gave him a chance when he got out of prison, gave him that second chance. He He's going to be loyal to him. But some of the reasons that he said it were for the same reasons why I said it. If you add what he did in Philly, even though he didn't get the Super Bowl ring in Philly, if you add how good and competitive they were, three, four straight NFC Championship years, if he could have just got one away from that, you know, plus the two he's already gotten in KC, he's still good. He's still like, I'm, I'm kind of bored with Shanahan's same offense, and it seems like, Reed just gets more and creative. The older he gets, the more creative he gets. I'm like, is it you or is it the enemy? Man, you, this is still too good. How do you do this? And I just thought it was funny, y'all, that Michael Vick said the exact same things that I said right after that about Andy Reed. When I said it, people were like, what the hell is Jarvis talking about? Then Belichick's got six rings. But when Michael Vick said it, everybody was like, hmm, no, don't you, hmm? Hey, why you didn't say that when I said it? Um, but this is why we do this because, like, we be we we're, we're usually on to something here with our topics and our segments. But like I said, it doesn't always get the recognition it deserves, as Terrence has always said, because of some of these people that act like they don't know what the Great Debate Show is, but they be writing their little notes down and then they 
they they put it out there into the public as if they were the first ones to come up with it. Um, but yeah, Andy Reid is going to be the goat. I think he's if he just keeps doing this, and why would he leave? I don't know why I was thinking he was going to retire. And Terrence said, I think I think Terrence, you said right after I said that, why would he leave right now? Yeah, like, well, no, I mean, I, I thought he would. I think that was Nick that was saying that, but I thought he would. I what, what, better, what, what better way to go oh, out than to uh, okay. beat your old team? So I, I thought the Super Bowl would have been the perfect send-off for him. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I kind of thought the same, but Nick made a point when he said, why would he? I mean, he's having a time of his life. He's winning. I mean, it's too easy right now. So, yeah, he's going to probably be. He doesn't have to win six, seven Super Bowls, I don't think, because of what he did in Philly for so long, even though he didn't win the whole thing. If he gets one more, man, I think he can call it a wrap. Even though if he coaches five more years, he'll probably have three more rings, though. So, I'm just saying. He's not going to get the six, probably, but damn it. Man, if he gets three or four, I'm good. I'm like, he the GOAT. I mean, like, Bill Walsh, I think, is still the greatest ever because people still run a portion of that West Coast offense still to this day. Belichick has never had a scheme that people will run 30, 40 years after he's gone. Uh, so, I'm sorry. It's starting to seem like that was Brady more than Belichick, so I'm not calling Belichick the GOAT. I think it's still Walsh. Call me bias. But that's all I've got. I just wanted to just say that, you know, we were talking about some of the people that listen. I don't know. I ain't saying Vic heard me, but damn it. If you heard the way he said it and go back and listen to me, it almost sounded like he heard exactly what I said. But I know he's very loyal, Andy Reid. And I know why. But um, I don't know. I don't see anybody beating the Chiefs again. Aaron Rodgers, good luck, man. I'm, I'm, I'm rooting for you. But, man, the New York Jets, ladies and gentlemen, the new Hollywood team now they in, the, in the Big Apple. It's, let's see how it goes. Um, we did the AFC East, and when we come back, what are we going to do next, guys, before we get out of here? Do we want to – we went NFC East and we went AFC East. Where y'all want to go next? Uh, I'll let you call it, Nick. Let's go. Let's go NFC South. Okay, I think that's it a good makes idea. sense. We come from the east. We work our way to the south. We'll do NFC South and AFC. Uh, no, NFC South, and then we'll finish the south. I guess up top in the AFC. Um, yeah, we'll stay in the south before we work our That'll way. That'll be a quick one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what? I don't know, man. We probably could get the NFC and the AFC South out in one episode, man. It depending Let's do on that. Let's do that. Let's do that. Let's do that. Unless yeah. something really breaks and we spend 30 minutes talking about that between now and next week's episode, I say we can get both of the South divisions out of the way. Um, yeah, AFC and NFC South coming up. I know Nick can't wait to talk about Derek Carr and the Saints. Um, Terrence said some interesting things about Tannehill and, and, Mike, and Malik Willis. Also, earlier in the show, so we can't wait to get to the Titans and what the South can do. Um, yeah, yeah, let's 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 do that. Uh, I forgot to talk about Kenny Pickett and the Steelers, but I'll save it for when we get when we move on up uh, to them. That's all I got, though, man. We finally we finally gonna get out of here. Uh, it's a great show. Uh, a good uh, uh, once again, a pleasure talking to you guys and and um, breaking this stuff down. <laughs> James Harden. Maybe by next week we'll know something more. But uh, I mean, is anybody gonna miss him if he misses the whole season? Really? No. I didn't think so. Me either. Um, all right, that's all I got. What if what if what if uh, what if Harden becomes a Nick somehow, some way though? I wonder how would our co-host Terrence feel about that? I mean, I, I, I don't, I don't want him. I mean, 
What's the difference between him and uh, uh, Brunson? Bronson, nothing. That would be a little bit too much uh, ball domination when you think in the backcourt. Yeah, Bronson is actually a little tougher and actually gives all of his effort in big games. So, oh, that he does. I think that he does. He's he's big time now. I saw that though when he was in Villanova. Hold on, was it the Vanderbilt? I saw that. Um, I think I don't think it was at Villanova. All right, was Villanova? Yeah, I, think he first time. I got yeah. the I got the V's mixed up. Yeah, but yeah, I saw it. I saw it then. I'm like, man, this boy here, he's ready. He look like he's the real deal. I don't know what it is. Maybe he didn't have the right look. Maybe he's not tall enough. Nobody really just brought his name up. Nobody thought much about it. Stephen A. was one of the people that thought the Knicks were foolish for spending the money they spent on him. And he's he's definitely backtracked and apologized, I believe, since then. So, uh, yeah, I told Terrence. I said, hey, man, I think your Knicks are going to be pretty good this year. They're not going to be bad. And... What was it, a second-round exit? That's pretty good. Um, that was pretty good for a team that most people still thought were probably five years away from making the playoffs again, probably ten, the way they run it. But uh, that's it. We out of here, y'all. I uh, hope y'all be safe out there and uh, enjoy your week. We'll be back next week. Peace out, guys.